Well, hey there. My name is Jason Kaliba, and you're listening to The Real Podcast. For more than 20 years now, I've been a pastor. One of the best parts about being a pastor is serving and getting to know people. People are interesting, fascinating, actually. The more you get to know someone, the more you hear their story, the more interested and inspired you usually become. So I got this idea to start a podcast where I could sit down with some of those people so that other people like you could get to know them too. And that's what you get on my podcast, the stories and insights of real people that I hope will challenge you and inspire you to grow. This is The Real Podcast. Thanks for listening. Okay, here we go. When we entered into the pandemic uh, across Canada in the middle of March, of course, all of us had to make adjustments into how we live our lives, uh, how we work, how we recreate, how we uh, engage with our families. But uh, fairly early on, it became obvious that there was uh, a certain segment of Canadian society who were dealing with the new realities of this virus in a very specific and maybe um, maybe more intense way. And that is uh, our seniors, particularly those who are living in residences or care homes um, in places across Alberta and across the country. And uh, because uh, our our seniors are at a higher risk of infection with this virus. Uh, of course, the restrictions uh, that uh, came into place uh, to protect their health and, and those living with them uh, were even more intense and more severe than those of us living at home uh, and, and maybe not facing some of those risks. And then uh, as some outbreaks uh, came in a number of residences, particularly in eastern Canada, uh, some of the unique challenges and the, the plight of some of our seniors um, really came into focus. And now, as I'm reading in newspapers, magazines, watching on TV, really the state of how uh, we care for uh, the older segment of our society as they age, as they're more vulnerable, is is really a live question for us as Canadians. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, so... I don't really know too much about that. My parents are still young enough that they're uh, still doing their thing and, and not, uh, not at that point in their life. So I thought it would be helpful for me and maybe those uh, who are part of the worldwide uh, real podcast uh, audience to just talk to someone who's been living in such circumstances over the past few months. And so it is my uh, privilege today to welcome into the Virtual Real Studio, Audrey DeMar, uh, a longtime friend of mine and a resident of uh, Bethany Care in Cochrane, Alberta. Audrey, welcome to The Real Podcast. Thank you. Now, before I, I get into questions and, and hear a little bit about what life has been like lately, can you give us a little bit of background on who you are, your family? Um, it would be great to hear about that. Well, my name is Audrey DeMar, and I... Um, was married to a pastor for mm. 47 years. You must have had a great life then. We did. We had, <laughs> God showed us a real compassion because 
We always went to small churches. We had a compassion for churches that couldn't afford uh, to pay pastors or workers. So God gave us a real love for those. And uh, But my greatest love was writing. I loved to write. Mm. And I did all of the writing for uh, material for all of the churches that we worked at. And uh, they used my Sunday school material. Okay. And I wrote Sunday school material for seven years for Warner Pacific uh, College in Indiana. Mm. And I wrote material for the children's literature for two years. And I have four books. Wow. I, I love to write. Okay. But I love the work of the church. And you have some family as well in between all that working for the church and writing. Tell us about them. I have my son, Ken, who is a pastor and a leader. And I have Cindy, who is a teacher at the university in Calgary. Mm -hmm. She teaches the teachers there. And I have a son, Kevin, who is, uh, he, he doesn't build, but he, uh, he, he can, he fixes when people have, want their houses changed. He does that. He's yeah. very brilliant in that. And I have a daughter, Cheryl, that we adopted. She lives in Edmonton. And how many, how many grandchildren, great-grandchildren do you have now, Audrey? Well, I think, I don't know, uh, I, I think around 20. I see. Well, lots of good people in your life then. Yes. So uh, tell me a little bit uh, uh, about your living situation. Uh, uh, I know you're here at Bethany and Cochrane, but uh, how, how long uh, have you lived there? Uh, why did you and your family make the decision to, to, to go to Bethany? Well, about three years ago, I uh, was living in my own home here in Cochrane. My husband had passed away, but my children were concerned over the fact that I was left alone when they all had to work. And I was a little concerned myself, and I was praying one night, uh, when I couldn't sleep and asking God, what do you want me to do? Yeah. I'm willing to do wherever, go wherever you want or do whatever you want. And he impressed upon me so strongly that I was to move to Bethany Care Center in Cochrane uh, to sell my house and to move. And so I did that immediately. And I was so amazed when they had a place for me and, and how I got there and was settled and lost the time to be ready for the pandemic. I could mm -hmm. not never have handled that myself. Ah. So the Lord worked that out, and I just praise Him for it. Huh. So tell me about that, Audrey. As as you've already mentioned, you're um, you're a woman with lots of capability and talent. Uh, you have all your faculties about you. I've interacted with you a lot. So you're still pretty healthy. What was it like going from living on your own, making your own decisions, running the, your own show, to being in a spot? I know you're not you're uh, you're supported living, so you know, you still have some freedoms and things, but what was the transition like to, from being in your own place to, to being in a place now where there are other staff and, and so forth around you? It's pretty wonderful. I always thought <laughs> the time would come when I wouldn't have to do everything. My little great-grandson was visiting me one day just before the pandemic, and he said to me, great-grandma, do you have to make the dinner? And I said, no. And he said, do you have to wash the dishes? And I said, no. And he said, do you have to clean the house? I said, no. And he says, you know, great grandma, I think you have it made. <laughs> Maybe and he I wants to move that. in. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, that's good. Um, and, uh, and in terms of uh, friendships and relationships, um, is your friendship circle uh, now kind of split between people who live uh, on their own outside and those who, who are fellow residents with Bethany? Or are, uh, what's your friendship circle become like? Well, I talk on the phone or over the uh, internet with friends that I've had, but everybody is pretty much in the same boat. They've all got families to worry about. And we have a wonderful relationship with the people in there. Of course, there's over 100 residents. Yes. And they have it divided up so that they're in different uh, categories. And, and I'm in the first one, which is easy living and don't have to do anything and have to time to do what I want to do. Yes. And I mean, I thought that day would never come, but I think it's pretty great. Okay. Uh, and um, tell me, I've, I've asked about residents. Tell me about your relationship with your the staff who care for you. Um, so, th- of course, they're doing cooking and cleaning. What's it been like uh, developing a relationship with these people who have, it's their responsibility to make sure you're doing well? They are wonderful. We have probably the best staff in the world. I'm sure God just sent his angels down to be our staff. Uh-huh. We've never, in the three years, I've never heard an unkind word or and them ever getting after us for anything. And they just uh, work hard. And they say that they don't want to get sick or let us get sick. Mm-hmm. And they'll do anything, even if it means working all night, just to make sure we're mm-hmm. safe. We have to appreciate it. Yeah. I feel like we should be doing the work and looking after them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, that's wonderful to hear. Can you, so but let's back up uh, to early 2020. When was the first time that you heard about something called COVID-19? And what was your thoughts when you heard about it? Well, it was about the first week in March when they started announcing it on the television. And right away, uh, of course, most of us remember epidemics from the past, different Mm. ones that there were, which young people would not know anything about. But (laughs) that's a little startling because you wonder, is this going to be something big? But by the second week, uh, Bethany had already jumped into action. They had locked all the doors and, Mm. and made sure that couldn't have visitors and they tested every one of us to make sure we didn't have anything like that and they take our temperature every morning for the last five months to make sure we don't have anything okay just uh uh separated everybody so that you had to be six inches apart we couldn't even eat within six inches of anybody and uh i'm guessing you mean six feet (laughs) six, six feet i'm sorry and we can't play games uh, uh, within six feet of each other. But a few times we've been able to go out, not very often. But I think the hardest thing is for people who have lost a loved one during mm. this time. Okay. Like one family that moved here and her husband died and uh, she had to, her, she couldn't, her family couldn't come and see her and she couldn't get out and she just had to, depend on the rest of us to try to make her feel better and that was hard i felt I so sorry for her i can't imagine so do you, it's just a matter of spending some time talking with her uh yes huh. and trying to be with her so she didn't have to be alone and was her husband a fellow resident or he lived outside you know, the home? they only moved there a few weeks before that and he wasn't well is the reason they came i see 
too many people wait till they're almost gone before they come, and that's too bad. Okay, so we're, we're there. Talk to us a little bit, because I know, and I understand, um, I know for, for many folks that are en- entering into their twilight years, that that decision to, to go into a, to a residence like Bethany, it, to them, it, it almost maybe feels like they're giving up or they're quitting or yeah. that, that, they, that they're not strong enough. What would you say to a, a, a peer of yours who's going like, look, I just don't want to do it. I don't want to go there. Well, my first thought was when God told me to move into here, my first thought was, I'm only 85. I'm too young to be going into <laughs> senior care. Yeah. But, you know, I realized that I should have been doing that earlier. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. And it's wonderful. You get taken care of. You get fed wonderfully. And if you've got any little problem, they take care of it. They are so kind. Mm. And right away, the first thing they did when they heard about the, the COVAC was to, uh, COVAD was to uh, sterilize all the furniture, uh, right? Tables, chairs, walls, every rail, yeah. every knob, everywhere where we couldn't touch anything that would make us sick. Hmm. And they also took away all things like salt and pepper shakers and, and anything that we would touch that we might give it to yep. somebody and and everything come out in little paper packages and that's okay yeah yep. <laughs> we still get it but <laughs> so you still things. get to have uh salt and pepper on your piece you don't have to have them yeah. just dry you can just rip open your little package <laughs> so we are blessed we're truly oh. blessed. okay um and what's your what's your take again and i know uh you have a pastoral heart, so uh, observing the demeanor and the, the emotional and spiritual well-being of people around you is you've cultivated that sixth sense. What's your, what's your view of how the, your friends and, and the people around you are doing? And especially, this has gone on a long time now. You know, we're, we're quite a few months removed from the outbreak. So um, what are the kinds of things that are being done to... Um, to kind of improve morale, whether so you mentioned uh, church services, are there other things? And again, contact is, is more limited now. What mm-hmm. types of things uh, is the leadership at Bethany doing to, to help people stay positive and be able to talk about how they're feeling? Well, not only Bethany, but the city or the community itself have been wonderful. And uh, some of the ways that they have is, uh, one of the florists that had to close brought, a, I'm sure, a truckload of fresh flowers wow. and put them in there. And every one of us were able to go in and take as much big a bouquet as we wanted and, wow. and put it in our rooms and on the tables. We had beautiful smelling flowers for weeks. Wow. And then one of the uh, ice cream places sent uh, dishes with uh Sundays of whatever flavor we like to every person there. Wow. And we've had a lot of donuts come down. <laughs> a lot of people have, like the uh, people that own the little horses, they've come around about three times and brought those little miniature horses around. And even though we couldn't go out yeah. when it was cold like that, they would open the window and we could stand by the window and, and talk to them out there. And that was so nice. And the band, the the bag band, you know, yes, they played uh, in our 
uh, yard a, a number of times and we can't go out and join them, but we can stand and watch them. Okay. One of the ways they've com communicated is that we were able to, like this lady whose husband died, uh, when they did come down, finally, she couldn't get with them, but they opened the, win one of the windows and she sat in front of it and was able to talk to them through the, the screens. And that helps a little bit, you know. Yeah. So I know, I know I've seen a lot of, uh, on the news or even as I've driven by, um, I don't often drive by Bethany because it's not on my way to home, but uh, Points West is another major um, uh, residence here in Cochrane. And I often see family members uh, on lawn chairs sitting out for, in front of a, a window talking. So have you, have you had some of those uh, window visits? Yes, a lot. Okay. That was practically the only kind of visits we had for when it was cold. Yeah. We've had two deaths in our family. And uh, we, uh, most times people can't be with your loved ones when yeah. they die, but it just worked out that one of them was my son-in-law's brother. So they set up chairs in their yard, six feet apart, of course. And yes. we, a few invited visitors, or invited family sat around and we had a type of funeral and a lunch that was brought in all boxed so that we couldn't catch anything from it. And then my grandson died and we, a few of the family went out to the cemetery and we just gathered around and had a, a short funeral yes. and had a lunch there and that helped, you know. Okay. We didn't totally miss those things. When uh, his little grandson was born, uh, I think she was, she was only about four days old when Amber brought him to the window and it was a cold day, but they opened the window and we got to talk to him out the window through uh -huh. the screen and he never cried or anything. And it was so great to be able to <laughs> a new grandbaby, great grandbaby. Uh, well, that's quite something. It's quite something. So I, uh, you, these window visits, this is, those are low technology. I know one of the big, uh, trends for a lot of people is using how, you know, how we're communicating right now through video conferencing or whatever. Mm -hmm. What would you say? Uh, have you, uh, have you been able to ad adapt and use this new technology? And were you already doing lots of zoom calls or whatever you before, or is this, and, and do you like it or would you prefer to have a, have a window visit instead? No, either way is all right. It's just nice uh, having visits. Uh, Kara from the church, I didn't know her at all. Yeah. But she phoned me a number of times and introduced herself, and I got to know her, and I thought, she is so wonderful. I, I you know, it, it lifted my spirits, and I, I uh, said, I'm going to pray for her graduation. I don't know her, but I still, you know, learned to love her through talking to her on the phone. I thought yes. that is something that people could do. You know, a lot of people do. We get a lot of scam calls so we have to be careful. Yes, I'm sure you do. But <laughs> So this was uh, one of the students in the youth group who was contacting you uh, and just touching base and, and seeing how you're doing? Yeah, that, that's a, a nice thing for a lot of people. I don't know with some of the men, they're a little on the quiet side. I'm just not sure how they feel about everything. They don't always talk. We joke a lot and talk a lot, but we don't, 
nobody complains because we don't have anything to complain about. Okay. Well, and talk to me a little bit more about the staff. You, you're pretty positive uh, about the, the care they've, they've given for you. Um, uh, do they talk about, because, you know, you're there um, and you're living there and you're a little bit more planted. They, they're going in and out. How, how are, do they, are they talking to you about how they're doing, how it's impacting their families and how if they're getting tired? Yes, and we all ask. We, we're always asking them how they are, and they tell us about having to go home at night and change their clothes and wash their hair and get all ready to leave at 5 o'clock in the morning to come out and, and help people yep. that need pills early and things. And they are very open to talk to us, and we're happy about that because we want to hear about them. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh... The, the question about, uh, and have you been watching some of the news and the stories and the questions being asked about how do we do a better job at, at protecting our seniors? Um, do you, have you thought about, like, if you were to speak to policymakers and say, here's how I think we could do better, uh, would you have any advice on, on how, how we can do better at this? Well, I don't think I, I could advise people to do any better here. But I realized that maybe in the East, they don't have enough workers, or maybe the people don't love their seniors as much. I'm not just uh-huh. sure what the problem is, uh-huh. that they don't do more. But here, even if some of them have to work all night or have to work all day without a stop and have to wear those masks, they're still willing to do it. They just, and we just appreciate them so much. And we tell them. I see. That we yeah. do. Hmm. They know we love them. Well, p- pass a pass a word of appreciation from us too. We're glad to hear that uh, you're getting good care. That's that's good news here. Um, you know, one of the the big the big thing that we're trying to do with all this social distancing and uh, closing of businesses or uh, uh, limiting the amount of people who can come in for visits, the point of that is to keep people alive. And I'm glad yeah. we're doing that. Yes. But I guess, uh, like you said, you're, you're in your 80s now. Um, are you afraid of dying? Uh, do you spend a lot of time worrying about dying? And, and uh, what's, your, what's your feelings on that? I have no fear of dying. I wish everybody there felt that way, but I don't. Uh, because I, just, I know, like the Apostle Paul said, that you know, it's good either way. I would love to go and and see God and see Jesus and see Mm -hmm. my husband and my parents and and my sister and my brother and all those people that gone on before. But I also love being here and I love seeing all my family here. And if I was gone, I wouldn't get to see them. And so it doesn't matter. I just think whatever God chooses for me, I'm willing to do. We had a tornado watch the other day. And yes. Some people got very, very frightened about it, but I, I kind of, I've seen it a number of times and I thought, really, it doesn't matter. I'm ready regardless. And so. Okay. Well, your, uh, your faith is uh, encouraging. And um, I know, I know that I think that's why you were involved in pastoral ministry. Ultimately, one of your goals was to give people hope uh, if if the hope that we have as Christians is only 
uh, for while we're alive and to make us feel better while we're here, but it doesn't have any power beyond this life, mm -hmm. then it's not much use. But so, we need to have it here so we're ready when the time comes. That's right. Well, um, what would you say, uh, I, I want to ask you about two different groups of people. What would you say to people who do have uh, parents or siblings or friends that are residences of, uh, or residents of a care home like yours? What advice would you give them on how to support someone like you during a pandemic like this? What would you say, you know what, this is really important that you do this? Well, I think that a lot of them really try to break in or get in somehow to see their family. <laughs> they just feel that they've got to see their family. They're almost, you know, they have to keep guard for that. But but they just need to be patient and pray for them and, and phone them and whatever they can do. If you can't get in, just do the best you can, you know, with the phone. If some of them are not well enough, there are some in, in the dementia wards that yes. are not well enough to talk to people on the phone, but people can still phone them and talk to them. Yeah. Okay. And um, what about someone like me, uh, Audrey, who I don't have a, a direct relative in a, in a care facility? Um, is there anything that we can do to be good friends? I think many people have made friends through people that have just tried to do something to make people happy. To, to form a relationship? Yes. Okay, and there very are good. things they can do. You get the feeling after a while that you're kind of like in prison, <laughs> locked in. Yeah. But then we got to get rid of that feeling because... We are so well off there, looked after where prisoners are not. Yeah, and okay. sometimes somebody will make a joke about it, but then we quickly remind them that, hey, we got it made. Huh. Well, your your positive attitude is uh, is good. I know. Uh, I know. I I might have a little bit of a struggle. I might feel like prison too once in a while. But uh, I'd need to talk to a person like you who has a good attitude. Um. Thank and you. if we're like sending in food, uh, is there any special requests? Like, do you want more donuts, more ice cream? Would you prefer, you know, fresh lettuce? What's your request for, uh, for sending in gifts of food? Well, I think for the most part, we have all the food and many <laughs> choices of food that we can eat. But sometimes like the Dairy Queen there, whoever it was that sent the yeah. ice cream sundaes, there's some things that we couldn't go get because we can't go out. And once in a while, someone will send a nice big cake or uh, home baking or things, you know, that we don't need, but we like. Mm, very good. Well, uh, Audrey, I've, as I've got to know you over the years, I feel uh, that you've always been a person who, um, lives their life with a lot of uh, class uh, and a lot of optimism uh, and care for people. And um, it's neat for me to see that even in a, even in a, a situation where it would be easy to look on the negative side, you continue to hold true to uh, the way you live your life. So uh, you. God bless you. And thank you for sharing a little bit of, uh, of what it's like these days. And thank you for asking and being concerned. I think that um, most people just being concerned and 
especially like the town folks that that uh, one day that we heard to uh, horns tooting and whole bunch of cars were lined up and they went around and around our our uh, yard and and uh, tooted their horns and uh, said hi and made us feel like hey they care and then one day trucks came and a whole bunch of trucks lined up probably 20 of them going around and around and tooting their horns and yes just things like that that are saying we remember you you know yeah. we care about you and those things really matter huh well uh i i've been impressed to see at least in the local newspaper that there's regular intervals of people popping by, whether it's the Pipers, as you mentioned, or the, mm -hmm. the Jeepers uh, Club, or I know on Seniors Week in June, the, the town did quite an effort. So uh, we'll see, seek to remember. And, and uh, depending on how this look goes, it doesn't look like we're, we're out of the woods yet. So uh, no. we need to keep remembering as we go along and not get tired. They remind us that we should maybe put away everything and put up our Christmas trees. <laughs> kind of a feeling that's yeah. about the way it's going to look but yeah. at least we've had some practice <laughs> <laughs> all and right we'll be glad when we can go back to church and well we'll be glad to welcome you back here but we might need to exercise a little patience first well again thank you audrey and uh, you have a wonderful day thank you and thank you for asking me i appreciate that you bet Thanks for listening to The Real Podcast. For more information on this episode and others, check out our website at cochranalliance.com backslash real. And if there's something that you've learned or would like to comment on, feel free to drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep it real. Keep it real.